Welcome to the Crack House Podcast. My name is Michael Sullivan. Joining me as always, my buddy, Chris Musky Muscolino. What's up, dude? What's going on? What's up, Mr. Mike? Big Mike, what are you doing, bro? Nothing. Little little stones starting us off. Charlie Watts, down, gone. You know, I meant to play a different song that I don't want to get us banned or nothing, but I cut it short, so we uh, didn't run into any problems. But yeah, Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts, man. 60 plus years of the Stones, man. I'm a huge Stones fan. I think you are too. Um, Put something on Facebook a couple of days ago when he passed away. And it's like, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, they're like, they're like in their late seventies. Now they're, they're eighties and stuff. They're getting up there. Jag is close to 80. And it's like, you know, you kind of expect like these guys to kind of live forever. You know, at this point, like, like Jimmy Page and all these guys, interesting story. I thought, tone in a moment i don't know if i ever spoke about led zeppelin but uh that's for another moment but you know we've grown up with these guys mike you know for 40 50 years you know in terms of like uh the stone zeppelin the beatles all these guys yeah outside the beatles it seems like these guys have had extended lives god bless them and uh keith I didn't richards, know yeah keith richards should have been dead how many years ago that guy's <laughs> like richards, a walking right? pharmacy man you know? you know, for those that uh, are Stones fans, if you have a chance, check out his uh, biography, My Life, which is superb. You know, it talks about his life and how much trouble he's got into. You know, with all the bad things I've done throughout my life, Mike, uh, that guy makes me look like a uh, like a saint. You know, it's just. Uh, oh, well, come on. I mean, <laughs> the, the guy shot heroin into his eye <laughs> and he's still alive, man. I mean, he's didn't he didn't he too like when his father died, he snorted his father like his ashes. I think there was another thing. Crazy like stuff, dude. Like every chapter in his biography, like the guy was on the run. Interesting story with him and Charlie Watson. I'm sure you read this, you know, in the news, but I guess at some point they were all breaking up like in the mid eighties and stuff. Jagger was going into like um, his own solo career and stuff. And um, so was Keith Richards. And I guess Jagger made a comment about Charlie Watts being his drummer. So I guess they showed up drunk at Jagger's hotel room in Manhattan, you know, out of their minds it's like five in the morning, ding dong, Jagger opens the door and Charlie Watts just cold cocks him. Yeah. And he's like he says something to the effect of you're my singer, you know, not I'm your drummer, you know, yeah. that kind of deal. And uh, shortly after they broke up for a little while, I guess they went their separate ways. I mean, I don't think they ever officially broke up, but, you know, uh, Jagger kind of did his own thing, you know, in terms of like his solo album. Well, I think um, they all did like. Keith yeah. Richards and, and Charlie Watts wasn't a rock and roll guy. He was a jazz guy. Yeah. All yeah. of his stuff, I think, like when they, whenever they would do their solo stuff, he was in like some jazz trio or jazz quartet or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> and, and and he would wind up doing that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was. The, and I think, too, he was the oldest out of the whole group that they used to call him like the old man, because a lot of, a lot of times, too, they said when like jagger and wood and keith Rick, when those guys would party they said a lot of times he just went to the hotel room he wasn't known for like his party 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 antics yeah because he was just older and he's like i don't want to do this i just i want to go to bed makes sense definitely makes sense i mean you know he doesn't really seem like the party type compared to richards and and jagger yeah he always Uh, had that like reserved look about him you know yeah Kind of like one of those old English dudes, you know, that comes over. It's like very reserved. Yes. You know, always reserved enough for a rock and roll group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He always had like a suit on and always, you know, very well groomed. Very, you know, he didn't look like the the hobo that Keith Richards always looked like, you know, (laughs) scarves and things like that. It was Richards. Rich is my favorite, man. Like uh, I read something where Johnny Depp, I think, in the Pirates at Caribbean, kind of like mirrored him you know i know he made an appearance like he one ripped of the whole thing off from right him. what do you mirror right. he just ripped it off and then they, they they finally figured it out like maybe we should have keith Rich- didn't keith richard do a cameo in one of them yeah he was he was in like one of the one of, one of those movies i love those movies man those, those were great 
I, I never got into them. I think I watched the first one, and after that, I really didn't like give it. It's shit. an acquired taste, but I mean, I, 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 listen, I know I'm in the the minority with those movies because they've made like billions and billions of dollars, but it it just never really appealed to me. But I the from the second I saw Johnny Depp on the screen, and I was like. He just ripped off Keith Richards. He, he acted exactly, exactly the same, wandering around drunk, the same headband. The same, you know, come on. He says he married him for like for 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 months on end, and he basically said mm. exactly what you said he did. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Who, what, what movie did more for one's career or turning one around one's career? Was it The Pirates of the Caribbean for Johnny Depp, or was it Iron Man for Robert Downey Jr.? Iron Man, hands down. You think so, yeah? Dude, that guy was in jail. Listen, Robert Downey Jr. had a lot of issues, man. That guy was in jail for drug use. The guy was a drug addict. And <laughs> his career was in the toilet. His career was in the toilet. I watched a thing. He was on um, Stern talking about how he did the audition for Iron Man. And he okay. basically he basically just said, like, I basically, you know, I had nothing to lose. And he just went out there and just went for it. And that's how he got. It, it was like, you know, your career is basically shit to begin with. So who cares whether you get this or not? That was right, kind of right. like that was like kind of he he like just went in with that mentality of just, you know what? They, they want this guy to be like over the top. Tony Stark was supposed to be this over the top kind of guy. And he just went for it. And John Favreau was like, I like it. You got the job. I mean, I like yeah, John but, Favreau. I like him a lot, man. Besides what he, uh, besides the Iron Man, he redid the, uh, the, I think he was the guy behind the Mandalorian, which I think really kind yeah, of put yeah, Star Wars yeah. back on track for me, you know, and, you know, maybe we'll get into the end of the episode, you know, we were talking I, about I, comedies and stuff. Yeah, but, but I, I, I had my own issues with the Mandalorian and certain. Yeah, things. I guess. But I'll tell you what, for me, for me, Mike, it was markedly better than those sequels. I think any of those sequels. Here's what he did with The Mandalorian. He he tugged on the right heartstrings. Right. He knows everyone loved the Boba Fett character. He brings him back. Gets a little comedy. He gets Bill Burr. He, he does what every Star Wars movie does. Get a cute little baby character. Everyone loved Yoda. He went baby Yoda. Smartest move I've, I've seen in Star Wars movies. My wife hates my wife hates Star Wars, and she's got the baby Yoda all over the place. That's loves that, it. Like he 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 came at it from that like fan perspective of growing up with those movies. Think about it when we grew up. What did we have as kids? Ewoks. Yeah. You had you had your funny little robot in R two D two. Yeah. The badass Boba Fett, the badass Darth Vader. He made sure like each character was kind of represent those types of characters were represented very well in that series. I think he did. I'm not saying I, I hate the series. I'm just saying he, he made sure to to pluck from the right things from the canon of Star Wars to mm -hmm. a great hit. I mean, going back, uh, the, the thing basically takes place a lot of it on like, I think, Tatooine in the beginning. With, uh, you know, where, where Luke is from. He 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 hit it just right. And I mean, the ending to last season, I won't give it away. But I mean, come on, everyone had, you know, giant right up there with Rogue One, the ending of Rogue One. Let's it's put it a, that way. Yeah, it's a giant nerd boner at the end. I mean, it's it's amazing. I'm not going to give it away. If you didn't watch it, you didn't watch it. But it was amazing. I like uh, I like Favreau in general. I, I you know, he's been through a, a ton of comedies, uh, which, you know, again, maybe we'll touch on it a little bit. But um. I, he was part. He was part of uh, Couples Retreat. I think he was in a couple of Vince Vaughn movies. He was in the Iron Man movies. I think he's the guy that uh, was behind Iron Man, right? And yeah. uh, he basically really talented made, guy, man. He makes. I mean, we were getting off track, but he made Vince Vaughn's career. He he yeah. did Swingers. With, I mean, they were all nobodies in Swingers. You go back and you watch it. There's a few Heather Graham's in it. I think she's really not a big name yet. But John Favreau's a nobody. He wrote in like 1996, it. man. Wow. Yeah, they, and I mean, you watch Vince Vaughn in it, and he's like, he's just like a little kid. He's a tall little kid, and he's he's great in it, and it, it made his career, and it made Vince Vaughn what he is today. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Go back and watch Swingers. But uh, you know, the Charlie Watch thing it was a little bit unexpected. 
you know, I was going to tell a story about uh, Led Zeppelin. So, you know, my, my father, maybe I've said this on the, on the podcast at one point or another, um, my father-in-law and uncle were roadies for Led Zeppelin back in the day. And uh, all those guys are still alive with the exception of the drummer. Right. And, you know, these English guys, they just, they just seem to last forever, man. Like, you know, I mean, no matter what the hell they do and it just, I don't know. I mean, Hey, listen, you, everybody's going to go at some time, you think, unless they sold his soul to the devil like Jimmy Page and stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was a little bit unexpected with Charlie Watts. Yeah. Well, you know what it was? You heard he got a little sick and then that was it. And then he was done. Yeah. It was gone. Um, what was I going to say, though, about just a quick thing about these guys living forever. Uh, Keith Richards, they say, like, every time they're on tour, you know, th- th- that's the, the urban legend about him is like he gets blood transfusions to just like clean out his system and give him give him a fresh think, few pints and 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 he's supposedly good to go all the time i think a he, lot of the, a lot of the he, bigger names do that kind of stuff i think yeah he reminds yeah. me of like uh the way you used to watch when that show uh the osborne's was on yes where it was like keith richards and ozzy osborne seem like they're just like a bumbling mess when they're off the stage and then once they go on, it's just like automatic, like, boom, they just kick it into high gear and, you know, they, they can perform. It's like they go into a trance and they perform and then that's it. The show's over and they're back to being like, again. So, right, 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 right. No, absolutely. I'm like, you know, listen, I'm, I, I feel lucky to have seen the Stones twice now. I've seen them in 89. I saw them just two or three years ago. Both with you know, I guess the original uh, um, original lineup, with the exception of, uh, I guess Brian Jones, right? You know, well, I mean, he was dead; he couldn't make it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I tell you what, you know, they talk about him too. I mean, that's an interesting story for another day. Um, all yeah, he, he was like a real like he was just too fucked up to be in the band, right? From I, I watched part of a documentary about him. Yes, it seems like him and Mick Jagger like butted heads. On top he's of the him. guy, it was his band. Yeah, it was on his top, band. Yeah, on top of him being like a drug addict and like an alcoholic. On top of it, it seemed like they found him dead at the at the bottom of of his swimming pool. Yeah, like, and um, there's urban legend that you know Jagger had him killed. You know, I mean, really, probably complete BS. You know, but uh, that's the legend. The legend goes, you know that. You know, based on what you just said, they, him and him and Jagger butted heads. Keith Richards came aboard. You know, Charlie Watts wasn't. I don't think Charlie Watts is the original drummer, um, but they definitely butted heads. And up until his death, it was really it was Brian Jones's band. I mean, Jagger was the lead singer and stuff. So I guess that's where the you know the ridiculous rumors yeah. came about. Uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, you no, know, interesting. He kind of he kind of reminds me of um, of the guy from the Beach Boys. You know, oh. as far as yeah, just really troubled guy, you know, but a genius, you know, and uh, a lot of that early stuff that you heard with the uh, with the Stones, you know, I, I think is attributable to Brian Jones. Yeah, you know, he uh, than any than any of any of them. Uh, what was it? I think I think Mick Jagger felt so bad. He like sort of ra- he raised Brian Jones's kid for a while. Like when he was, you know, after the after he died, yeah, yeah. he helped raise the kid. He really reminds me a lot, like reading about them, the biographies that I've read. Brian, uh, Brian Jones reminds me of Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Yeah. And, and Brian Wilson. I love the Beach Boys, too. Besides, you know, the uh, looks yep. like I froze up again. Sorry, yeah. Mike. Um, <laughs> you know, what I would say to you is that. Besides the Stones and, you know, obviously the Clash and, you know, uh, the Zeppelin and, the Beach Boys are right up there, too, with one of my favorites. And if you read stories about Brian Wilson, I guess the trajectory of his life, other than him being yeah. dead, you know, kind of mirrors Brian Jones in the sense that I think he had a complete nervous breakdown. You know, um, he got I, um, what was the thing with him, too? He yeah, he had a breakdown. He was basically that whole band. He wrote everything. He, yeah, was the, yeah. he was the genius behind that whole band. They were all I think at one point they were all related. I think except for yeah, maybe like Wilson brothers. Yeah, absolutely. The brothers, Mike Love is their cousin, the lead singer, okay. the, the other lead singer, the other singer in the band. I think the only guy, was it Al? Al Jardine might have been a cousin too. Or Al Jardine might have been like the only outside guy. But like 
three out of four of them were related. And- you want to hear something crazy, Mike? Reading their biographies, you know, like the Stones, like a ja- uh, like you know Richards, and I've read the Clapton biography, and I've read you know obviously tons of stuff about the Clash and Zeppelin, the Doors. They all they all copied and ripped off the Beach Boys. You know, it's funny, like all these English guys, they, you know, their elements, you know, they grab stuff from Chicago and the blues scene and stuff. You know, that's where a lot of the Clapton riffs and a lot of the Stone stuff came from. But they all say it, man. They're like, we all, you know, I guess I kind of go back and forth between American rock and roll and English rock and roll. But reading these English guys, they like they adored the Beach Boys, man. And they incorporated a lot of their stuff, their melodies into their music. Meanwhile, you know it was like kind of the other way around. Like our guys kind of mirrored the English guys, you know, and try to, you know, rip them off, I guess. But, um, and then going back to the old days, you know, the blues, the, you know, the the African-American guys in the thirties, the blues artists back then, but interesting stuff. A lot of this stuff is intertwined, but um, I'm very glad to have seen the stones man before the, uh, you know, you know, uh, I guess the current lineup passed away. Yeah. I saw that they had that movie out about Brian Wilson. I think it was called like, wouldn't it be nice? So and good, man. It, it was like so a doc, it was a docu. Uh, it was actually just a movie about his life and how screwed up he was growing up. And I think it was John Cusack plays the older him. And it's not a bad movie. It's a tiny little movie. I think it's out on Amazon. You can watch it. But uh, moving along, we've been wanting to talk about this for a few weeks. You brought it up, Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit. Yeah, man. I mean, we keep every week. Every week we do these episodes, and every week we kind of. Uh, miss it. You know, we don't hit upon it. And uh, I've been wanting to talk to it because I think it kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked about earlier in the year about how the movie industry is changing. And, you know, basically how I, I think I feel like, it, and it, you know, maybe within the next 10, 20 years, I think the way that you consume movies and it's happening now is going to be completely changed to the point where I think you may see the demise of a movie theater. You know, I think that that whole element of society could either be revamped or eventually, you know, it'll cease to exist. And I think the thing with ScarJo is that I think she gets paid. She was getting paid on the royalties of her her most recent movie. I think it's Blackwood or whatever it is. I haven't really seen it. I really don't have an interest in it. I mean, she's a good looking woman and stuff, but she really, you know, she's, you know, the Avengers movies, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, she doesn't really, you know, kind of do it for me in terms of the output that she does you know, as far as, you know, when it comes to movies, but apparently I guess her deal with the studio is that she, uh, she was supposed to get a touch of the box, box office and they reached and they released it simultaneously on HBO max, or whatever they did, or they streamed it at the same time. Disney. I think Disney. Disney plus right. And they cost, they cost her money when I guess she's suing for the difference. Yeah. It, uh, from what I read, they released it on Disney plus, but here was the other thing with Disney Plus. You still had to buy it. Like it was out, but I think it was still like 30 bucks if you wanted to see it at your house. It wasn't just what a- she's arguing, Mike, is what I'm saying is like, you know, she's expecting that. This oh, thing no, no, no. Totally- she, yeah, she, what, you, yeah. what you're saying is absolutely correct. She thought it was just going to be released in theaters and maybe like a few months later, then it goes on Disney right. Plus. Exactly. She's saying that it got released at both time in the theaters and Disney at the Simultaneously. same time. Yeah. It right. killed her output of making money because she actually, from what I read in, in one article, she took a much lower salary to do this movie because she thought on the back end, this movie was going to probably make a billion dollars at the box office, which as of right now, I don't think it has. I can look up what it's made so far, which I don't even think it's close to a billion dollars. And that's what she's uh, she's suing for right now, which. Yeah. Really and the funny thing is, Disney is turning around and saying that I guess she made 20 million as a result of them doing it that way. So I, I guess they're kind of you know countering, you know, the lawsuit with the argument that I think that she's making more money. It being simultaneous, simultaneously released, you know, versus just solely in the box office. I mean, listen, I think the movie industry is completely going to the point where I think other than the biggest blockbusters out there, I think you're you're not going to see, you know, the the movies distributed the way that we grew up with. Okay, so the movie cost roughly two hundred million dollars to make. Okay, Uh, the box office right now has it at three hundred and seventy million dollars. So it didn't even double now. 
what I what I no what I've always heard with movies is whatever it costs to make, it has to make two and a half times what it costs to make for a movie to really be profitable. Now, okay. so she's got like another what eighty million dollars to make for this movie to be profitable. Now, we talked about this with the Fast and the Furious movies. I don't know if this movie got released in China. I'm assuming no, just because of the yeah. low output. You know, the, the low uh, box office of the movie. And that's the real question. You know, the real question is, you know, is it released in Europe? Is it released in Asia? Is it, um, is it just relegated to streaming services? And that's what she's arguing that it didn't get released nationally or internationally for that matter. You know, nobody, nobody really knows, but... I just think the way that this thing is going, I think you're going to see more contracts for these big artists, these big actors structured that way. And I think there's going to be a lot of more verbiage. And I'll tell you what, I mean, even though COVID hopefully is coming to an end, uh you know, I mean, I just really can't see the movie theater as we know it existing the way that it does. I mean, putting aside the cost and we've hit, you know, we've hit on this before. I mean, a family of four, you're spending 250, $300 sometimes to see a damn movie. I mean, Uh I, yeah. I have more. I have I have yeah. more. Hold on. I'm reading it. All right. This is what it says on Wikipedia. It grossed over 370 uh, million worldwide, becoming the fifth highest grossing of 2021. It also made 67 million through Disney Plus. So, yeah, and I think that's what Disney's well, arguing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, if you I don't feel bad for her just because no, no. I also looked up Scarlett Johansson is worth. Her net worth is one hundred and sixty five million dollars. So sure. I really don't give a shit if she got screwed out of it. You know, it, it's like the same thing when uh, they had that fire festival years ago. I really didn't care that a bunch of rich people got conned out of money. And I don't care. That if, <laughs> if she, and I don't give a shit if she lost money on Black Widow. So <laughs> it's just interesting, man. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't care less. You know, she's out 20 yeah. million. You know, it doesn't really matter to her. It's like. It's all relative, you know, for here's, us, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, right. Whatever. Here's my other thing with that. Are, are these superhero movies starting to just, are we, are we done? Are we like over it? I think you're reaching that point. I really do. I mean, I, I know there are friends of mine that are big, big into the movies and stuff. And they, they absolutely love the Marvel stuff. And they, you know, they love the Superman and the Batman stuff. I think the Batman and Superman, uh, the Batman and Super stuff, the Superman stuff are so timeless that I think you can continue to redo this stuff, but like the Marvel universe, I mean, some of these, some of these series, I mean, I think that you really saturated them, you know, when, at least maybe when it comes to like, you know, stuff like the Avengers and stuff. I mean, it, I guess you can argue with the X-Men a little bit, you know, and I guess Spider-Man to an extent too, that you can kind of reboot it every couple of years and introduce new actors. Yeah. And yeah we're on the third Spider-Man and, and right. there's talks of another Wolverine. But um, but the story was, you know, I think I guess with Spider Man and Superman and Batman, these these big, you know, I guess characters, there's so many storylines that yeah. you can you can kind of tap into for like you know for an extended period of time. Oh, when yeah. you look at something like the Avengers and the X Men, I mean, there's there's limited storylines other than the underlying stuff like the X Men. You know, they kind of they talk about the underlying thing with the X Men is diversity, right? You know, these guys are mutants. They've got special powers. They're different than everybody else. And they kind of related back to society, right? That's how the, the comic books went. With the Avengers, it was just, you know, I kind of get, a, a, you know, you know, like a United Nations, you know, effect of like all different types of, you know, superheroes into one unit. Um, I just, you know, I, I think, you know, these, these big franchise, Mike, I think you hit it. You know, I, I think you're reaching a saturation point with some of them. I really do. Well, you know what it was too, man. Marvel was so ahead of the game, really. All right, you had Superman back in the seventies with Christopher Reeve. Right. Then you had the nineties run of those four Batman movies. Then Nolan, because they were only doing like one character at a time in those movies. And then Marvel just said, "Screw it," and within a decade run, blows out like thirty-two movies. They do. And just, I think they got it rolling with the Spider-Mans in the early 2000s. You know, they rebooted and, that. And, yeah. And, and the Spider- I mean, yeah. think about it. We were talking about just adding new characters or, or just replacing people. You're on your third Spider-Man right now since yeah. 2002. So uh, I, I do think Marvel just went real hard, real fast. 
And now like DC, DC has been playing catch up. They had their TV shows. The DC is always known for like doing TV well and their animation well. And right. then usually suck. And Marvel's like the complete opposite where their TV shows usually don't do that well. And the animation is, haha, but they do the movies well. Right. And I think I wonder if now you're going to see like that kind of switch happen where Marvel just goes back to like TV stuff. I mean, you've seen it with Disney. They're doing the what if the animation stuff. Um, well, Disney does the, you know, I think we talked about this. Well, maybe we didn't. Uh, the Star Wars animation is really good. I mean, I've watched a couple of those series now. You know, I've oh, watched yeah, yeah, yeah. Wars. They have uh, they've got a new one called The Bad Batch, which is pretty cool. Um, if you have a chance, it kind of ties in at the I guess the end of kind of overlaps Revenge of the Sith and right before, you know, the New Hope. And it kind of talks about the end of the Clone Wars. It's pretty good, man. You know, I, I, I think it kind of confirms what you're talking about in terms of Disney really doing a good job with animation and, you know, tying it into the TV, uh, you know, product. Well, yeah, I also saw like with uh, with DC and their movies, the Flash movie, I think, is coming out next year. And it's going to have Michael Keaton in it playing his version, you know, from the old 89 Batman movies okay, and, and Ben Affleck, because they're going to get into that whole multiverse thing in the movies, not just on um, like that Flash TV show that's out where they okay. where they did like this whole crossover. I'm not. You know, I've always fan. meant to watch Daredevil and Flash. I, I've never really got into them. You know, the TV shows. I hear they're pretty good. I know Daredevil was on Netflix for a while. Daredevil, and, uh, uh, Daredevil, I caught like a se- uh, season or two of wasn't bad. But like that Flash, they did a whole arc of like the multiverse and they did all these shout outs and cameos in it, which I okay. thought was great. Like Burt Ward, the original Robin, they just right. keep going through different Earths, you know, like the multiverse. And like the Flash is going through one Earth and there's Robin, you know, Burt Ward does a quick cameo like, holy Flash, you know, like his stupid. Burt Ward, not the, not the bisexual Robin, right? No, I think he's the straight one. Who's the bicycle? Okay, just checking. Uh, Tim, was it Tim Drake? No, I think it's Tim Drake. I, no, I thought Tim. No, Tim Drake's Red Hood. Is he? Is he? No, no, Jason Todd's Red Hood. Tim Drake, yeah, Tim Drake is a. Uh, he's a he's pansexual. Bi- he's pansexual okay. or whatever you want to call him. Right. He's into it. But I, okay. I see. I read up on it, and they said all he did was go on a date with a guy. Does that make you gay? I don't think so. If it's just a. Two dudes hanging out. It's a if, bit, it's two, guess, if it's two dudes hanging out, I'll get myself in trouble. <laughs> I'm just saying, if it's just two dudes hanging out, it's just two dudes hanging out. I but mean, I mean th- you go to a bar to have a drink. I don't think constitutes a date. I mean, you go to a, you know, a candlelight dinner, you know, and having food and stuff. I think that's a date. That's a right? date. All right. What about yeah. a football game? Is a football game a date? You and I going in tailgating? No, that's not a date. Sitting next to each other in a football stadium? No, you tailgating, you going to a game. I don't think that constitutes a date. A movie? You know, uh, eh, you kind of eh. borderline. Depending on the, borderline. I think, I think the movie has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think what movie you go to see? What if you're going to see the Flash movie with the Robin in it? Is that a date? Mm. Eh, you might. Uh, now we're we're in that gray zone. That's a gray area. Gray zone, folks. I don't know, man. So what is it? Yeah. So Tim Drake, right? Is that what we said? Yeah. Tim Drake is the gay Robin. Yeah. I I think they said in the comic, all it is, is he he goes on like Tinder. And I think goes on a date with a guy. But he dates girls. uh, Talk about the same thing. I think there was a couple. I think we spoke about this before. I think Marvel and Stan Lee, I think he kind of made it so that you couldn't mess with the, I guess, the color of a character, the orientation, the organ of a character. I know there was a lot of uh, talk about Andrew Garfield when he was playing Spider-Man. He was talking about making Spider-Man bisexual or gay, whatever it was at the time. And, you know, I think Stanley kind of squashed that. And he's like, you know, look, these characters are drawn and written a certain way. You can't really mess with mess with the organs. And I think when it comes to the movies themselves, I think it's in the contract with Marvel, you know, that, you know, if you're going to direct the movie and you want to make like, say, for example, um, I don't know, uh, another Spider-Man movie, there's certain things that you can and can't do more so than like Disney. You know, I think Disney is kind of like, you know, I don't think there's any subcontracts or anything underlying that, you know, kind of prevents them with doing that kind of thing. 
What do you mean? Like Disney can just do whatever they want with their characters? I'm pretty sure. I know Spike Lee's not Spike Lee. I'm not, we'll probably talk about him in a second. Stanley. Stanley, I think spe- Stanley specifically had it in his contracts with, 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 I guess, the movie studios that they couldn't mess with the organs of the characters. So you couldn't make you couldn't make Spider-Man black. You couldn't make him gay. You couldn't make him whatever. You had to, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. you know, okay. you know, to the way that he was in the in the original, you know, uh, kind of t- uh, the movie. Um, I think the same thing with the X-Men, all those big Marvel movies. You know, you can't really mess with the character at all. Whereas I think with Disney, I think Disney, uh, I kind of think you can kind of do and you have a little bit more leeway. And I don't I don't think that subcontract is into it. See, I'm waiting for the first like Disney princess to come out like that. I'm surprised they haven't done the movie yet. Like make one of the princesses like, you know, bicep, whatever. Gay, yeah, bicep, I lesbian. I, you know, I don't. And the other thing to think about, I think Stan Lee had more of a heavy hand than anybody, you know, in the DC universe. Or, you know, you know, Disney's a huge corporation. So, I mean, they've got, you know, a whole bunch of different figureheads, you know, people making decisions. And whereas I think, you know, with Marvel, I think Marvel was kind of dictated, you know, by Stan Lee a lot of times. And I think he specifically, you know, put that, you know, into into the contract because he created most of those characters. You know, okay. I mean, even though they were, you know, those comic books and those characters were eventually written by other people. Those people and those those comic books were, for the most part, all you know, founded by Lee, you know, yeah. Stanley was his creations. He sold off, I think, so much of them, too, in like the 80s. Right. He got rid of like the whole. That's why he said, what was it? The one their oldest character, if we're going to go do a deep dive quick on Marvel, but the oldest character in Marvel is a Submariner. They do yes. not. They do not own him. They don't own the rights to him. I forget who owns the rights, but that's why he's never shown up in a Marvel movie yet. Really? That's that's weird. Yeah. It's the same thing where they had the whole thing with the X-Men. They didn't own the rights to the X-Men movies for all those years. I guess years. the question is, did Submariner come before Aquaman or yes. the other way around? Submariner is numero uno. wonder why they never hit on that in terms of like a movie. Yeah, I thought he'd be a great, ca- you know, I mean, let's, yeah, but let's put it this way. Did you ever think Aquaman was going to be some huge movie character? I didn't. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Mike, I kind of did. And I'll tell you why I thought he did. Uh, you want to go back? To, are we are we going on an entourage walk right now? Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I always thought when that oh. when that storyline came, I said, you know what? That's got a shot. You know, I, you know, this was like 20 years ago, entourage, right? Almost 15 yeah, years yeah. ago. And when that storyline came on, I'm like, you know, that's a great idea for, you know, I guess this is what, like right around the time where the uh, the Spider-Man stuff was coming out yeah. for the first time. And I'm like, you know what? Why not Aquaman? <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty interesting character. I remember him the animated stuff, and uh, I was like, you know what? It, you know, if they're bringing it up now in like in a fictional TV series, I, I thought it, it it could have a shot. Did I think it would be a blockbuster? No, no. I thought it would be like one of those B type movies that you know would be pretty interesting to check out. But uh, yeah, the thought crossed my mind, and it comes from Entourage. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. See, I always looked, I, I just always thought they did it on Entourage as like a complete goof. That's why they were I like, they they did did, too, like this movie will never yeah. get made. Like, no, who's ever going to make an Aquaman movie? And I guess uh, maybe that's why they picked the character, you know, like, no yeah, one's yeah, ever yeah, gonna yeah. Do this. you know what? I watched a documentary about there was a really bad Fantastic Four movie made in the early 90s. It was I made by I remember that one. It was made by Roger Corman, who's known for doing these like bad B movies his whole career. Like the guy's just made like cheap movies his whole career and he never right. loses money. And I think Roger Corman's in like it's mid to late 80s by now. And the whole thing was they they he acquired the rights to the Fantastic Four. And there's kind of like a I guess it's in the contract when you if me or you buy the rights to the Fantastic Four, you have like one year to do something with it. Like you have to do a TV show or a movie. So they were just running out of time. They made this movie for like a million dollars and it looks horrible. You can go on, you can actually go on YouTube, go on YouTube and search Fantastic Four 1994 movie. And it's in like three or four 30 minute blocks. And it's just, it's, it's like the cheapest version of the Fantastic Four you'll ever see. And there's no one. I don't think there's anyone really that famous in it. 
Um, but Roger Corman talked about how he goes, I had a year. I had to get this movie done. And we just smashed it all together. The movie eventually never got released. People thought he thought it was going to be this big thing. They were like, no, we're just making this so we can keep the rights to this. And then gotcha. they it years later. And you can go on YouTube and watch this really horrible, bad 90s sci-fi, really low special effects movie. Uh, it's 1994. Yeah, just search 1994 Fantastic Four movie. And you- I vaguely remember it. I remember the one, yeah. the one that came out about 15, 20 years ago. That was pretty good with Michael Chiklis and all those guys mm-hmm. and uh, Captain America. You know, Chris Evans, I think, was in that. Yeah, he's the human uh, torch. He's the human torch. That was pretty decent. You know, some of these Marvel movies, I, I just feel like they just didn't get a lot of traction. Like, you know, for example, The Hulk. You know, there's been a couple Hulk movies. And uh, you know, I always thought that that would have been a bigger series. Yeah. You know? And I think that part of it, you know, from what I read, at least with The Hulk, I guess Ed Norton is really a difficult guy to work with. And I think that um, he kind of put the kibosh or, you know, put the limits on making more Hulk movies because I think he refused to do it or something to that effect. And, uh, you know, going back to the Fantastic Four, which I kind of liked, you know, it just seemed like it kind of fizzled out. You know, yeah. you know, as far as compared to like the Avengers and stuff, which, you know, just seems to, like you said, be ongoing and ongoing, and ongoing to the point where I think you've reached the saturation yeah. point. With it. Yeah, they, they, those fantastic, they were cute little movies. They were a little like popcorny. Yeah. It wasn't part of this huge multiverse thing that's going on now with all these movies. And they all have to intersect and have post credit scenes and all that. I mean, it was great seeing the Silver Surfer on the screen. Yes. You know, Dr. Doom. <clears throat> but I mean, who I like the actor, I, I, by the way, which the Doctor Doom guy? Yeah, he's in a show. My my wife was a big fan of this show uh, with Aly- uh, Alyssa Milano and um, what's her face, the, the the chick that's always in the news. You know, she's very political. Um, it was about three witches called Charmed back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. My wife watched that show. Yeah. So my wife loved that show. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan, yeah. right? Um. Milano was very political too, but the guy who played Doctor Doom, I think he was in uh, he was in that show. Um, I forgot the guy's name. He's a pretty interesting guy, you know. But he was, I think, in that one of those original movies where, where you know he played Doctor Doom back in the day. Oh, okay. But who knows? Anyway. Who knows? Who knows what we're gonna see? Who knows what's gonna be down the road for comic book movies and where they're gonna be shown and how much these people are gonna get paid? You know, who cares? Speaking about movies, uh, I think you brought it up uh, about Spike Lee. I guess there's a documentary out on him. You know, there's another legendary filmmaker, you know. Yeah, uh, he, yeah the document. Yeah, he's doing a 9-11 thing on HBO. I I didn't know it was multi-episode. I thought it was just like a one and done. And it looks check like, it out. I haven't had a chance to see it, but. It looks I've, like it's going to be a few. Ep- the first episode is out and it basically just covers covid and George, it says it's 9-11 in the documentary. So that's what I right. thought the whole thing was about. But it looks like it's like leading back, like starting from this year, maybe going back. I don't know. Right. Uh, the whole show starts with COVID and, you know, the whole lockdown last year leads up to the George Floyd, the, the riots that ensued after that, the, the looting, all that crap. Um, and then it ends. So. I know he's got other episodes coming down the road. There's going to be stuff about 9-11. And he made the paper recently because I he uh, I think he gives a lot of credence to the night with the 9-11 stuff. Right. He starts giving a lot of credence to like it was an inside job. Conspiracy theories. Right. And from from what it's been said, uh, he's going to have to go back and like edit the movie to kind of like take some of that stuff out from from what I read. Because uh, I guess maybe HBO is like, we don't, you know, we don't, we want 9-11 stories. We don't want all this inside conspiracy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I told you the story off air. You know, I had a guy at work many, many years ago, young kid. And he was one of these guys. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in Jesus. He thought he, Jesus was the Easter buddy. But on the flip side, he would come right around at 9-11. He would float these crazy conspiracy theories. He was like one of these guys that watches Netflix all the time. And puts credence into this kind of stuff that's that that Lee is spewing. And it really it infuriates me, Mike, you know, because here's the deal. You know, I had friends down there. I'm sure you did, too. 
my brother had, you know, basically pictures of those planes, you know, you know, firsthand that really super close photos that I think got sold to CNN or at the time he was taking a, you know, Jason was taking a plumbing examination across the street. My sister was in the city. They all saw it, man. You know, I mean, I guess part of the conspiracy theory is that he's spouting is that the jet fuel that caused the explosion wasn't hot enough to burn through the metal that caused the destruction of the buildings. And the government conspired to put these, you know, huge explosive devices in the buildings and self-detonated them. And the backstory and the motive was that the government, it was, you know, and, you know, here's the thing. Nobody knows what side of the government was. Was it the Republicans? Was it the Democrats? You know, you get the left, left-leaning person politically, they're going to be like, well, it was the Republicans that did it. Okay, so they committed treason so that Cheney, who was, I guess, on the board of directors of Halliburton, could make money because we would go to war in, in, Afghan- in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and we would seize the oil fields and we would make them a ton of money. It's a pretty elaborate conspiracy, you know, if you're really going to the point of it. I'm not a scientist, so I can't tell you, you know, the ins and outs of what he's, you know, spewing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm a little disappointed in Spike Lee. Like, you know, we talked about this. I like some of his stuff, but, uh, you know, I'm looking at his I, IMBD and, you know, do the right thing obviously comes to mind. You know, he's had a great career. You know, he's had 20, 30 years worth of stuff. But to be honest with you, outside a couple of them, I mean, he's really, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff here. You know, I think, you know, huge, huge films, you know, all things aside. And, um, you know, he's, he's kind of like borderline for me at this point, Mike. I think he's like one of those guys that like almost, he's a rabble rouser, you know, he's a divisive well, guy. It's like any, like he just, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, the woke police. Everyone wants to be on the right, right. side and I'm going to I'm going to bang my drum for this and bang my drum for that. I mean, everyone had their conspiracy theories. The big I remember the big movie that came out about like nine, ten, maybe ten plus years ago was called Loose Change. And it was just documentary. And I mean, it's one of those things. If you're in the right frame of mind watching it, if you just have this open mind watching it, you just think 9-11 is a complete conspiracy. Yeah, and it's don't buy it. You know, like I said, I mean, I give you, I give you, you know, I've seen some of this stuff. You know, I'm not stupid. You know, I, I, yeah, listen, I, this kid kept on going on and on with me, and, and you know, like I said, that's the reason why I really, really watch this kind of stuff. I know Rosie O'Donnell spouted this kind of stuff. Some of the really oh, yeah. leftist wing, you know, left wing people out there really spout this kind of shit, and it's like, um, you know, they're almost to the extent of like Andrew, you know, Alex Jones, you know, with the uh, the Sandy Hook stuff, where like they yeah, could deny it. Like I read something where like the planes were holograms, you know, the see, planes actually didn't smash into the buildings. It was hologram planes that you saw <laughs> smashing into the buildings, and they were self detonated. Okay, think- so what happened to the three thousand people, man? What happened to these people on the planes? You know, it's like the kids up in Sandy Hook. You know, I mean, it's like you know. Me and you, you know, you got to be your little kids up there. Oh, it was it was all an act. They're all on a secret island somewhere. Right. That's, but, you know, I mean, there. look, it's a touchy subject for a lot of us. I mean, we I was in the city at the time. You were obviously, you know, your brothers, my brother, you know, my family, we had friends. I, I knew people who died in the buildings and stuff. Yeah. You know, I just, you yeah, know, look, you could be partisan and stuff. But, you know, when it comes from guys like Rosie or, Spike Lee or whoever, man. I mean, just, you know, Alex Jones, you know, for me, like on the other side of things you know, with the Sandy Hook stuff, I mean, be quiet, man. Yeah. Really, re- realistically, I mean. Yeah, like I like like I said, you you watch that that Loose Change documentary was the big thing that turned everybody. Yeah. And I think that that was the one where like Charlie Sheen came out and said right. like, this is it. Like all oh, well-hinged like, guy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, they, and they would put all these little nuggets in. And then there was I remember watching one documentary about uh, they interviewed one of the architects that built the World Trade Center. Right. And the guy goes, yeah, they think it because they kept saying the way the buildings fell, it pancaked. And they were saying that's indicative. Oh, of right. A, it could, of a it could have happened any other way. Right. I get it. Yeah, and the, they're, they're interviewing the architects and they were like, no, no, no. That's how we designed the building in case it ever did collapse. Right. It was going to pancake on itself. It had to be a conspiracy, right? It just yeah. had to. Because the original, if you go back to like the original, the 93, was it not yet? Yeah, the 93 bombing when they blew up the basement. Right. If you go back to that, their whole goal was 
to blow the blow one of the buildings up and it just go over like that. And it was supposed to crash onto Wall Street. My friend Rocco was a maintenance guy in the building at the time. You know, I was in I was in St. John's and he you know, he was working in the building and he said he goes. He, you know, evacuated. He was there when it happened. You know, he, he basically told us how it went down. And, uh, yeah, listen, man, I mean, I just think when it comes to conspiracy stuff, I mean, I think this whole Netflix stuff where even what we're doing, you know, like you go on a podcast or you go on a, a Netflix show and you just spew nonsense with really no facts other than, you know, some half brain, you know, you know, theories, you know, I mean, in terms of science and what have you. I mean, look, none of us are scientists. Neither is Spike Lee. Well, just, uh, you're just, you know, consuming information, you know, that you get, you know, from different sources, even climate change. I don't think we've ever talked about that. I mean, one side, the world's coming to an end that they change the name of it every five, 10 years. And, you know, it's the hottest year on record. And then, you know, you look at another set of, you know, data from another scientist and they, you know, say contrary, you know, it's like we've been in a stagnant period for the last five, 10 years. Well, so it's like, you know, again, you know, it depends really where you get the information from. It's the same just, thing. Yeah. The, uh, like you're talking about all of that stuff. It's the same thing like um, the Kennedy assassination. Right. For years, there was the magic bullet. And then they did that one. Uh, I think was it right before like Peter Jennings died? He hosted some show about the Kennedy assassination. And they always had it the way the governor sat in front of him was a lot lower than what they expected. it. Then right what really it was. And once you raise him to that level, there's no magic bullet with left and right and doing this and zigging. It's a straight through right. Kennedy into the governor. And there's no magic bullet theory, even this though I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I've been to like, you ever been to the grassy knoll? Yeah, actually I have. How close is that man for like people that have never been there? Listen, it's a weird place, Mike. I, have I've, you been there? Yeah. I've shot. Yeah. You know, we've both shot guns in our lives. I kind of think from like the grassy knoll, anyone could have killed Kennedy. Like you're that you're that close. You're like less than absolutely. It's probably a 25 yard shot. I got to tell you, the depository building, I've seen that. I mean, it's an eerie place, too. I got to tell you, man, you got to be a pretty good shot. Yeah. (laughs) You know, to to nail that, you know, that's that's why when I, you know, that's one conspiracy. I kind of like maybe. But the, it, it, I'm up in the air I, about that. I'm up in the air about that. I really am, you know, but I mean, some of the stuff, man, it just, it's really, really wild stuff. Like, you know, going back to the kid who used to always bombard me with the 9-11 stuff, you know, I think we were getting into like the creation, you know, of the universe and God or no God and no Jesus or Jesus and this and that. And this other guy, this African-American guy, I was really good friends with. And he goes, he was, the kid kept on spewing the fact that the big, big bang theory was fact. And he goes, Dude, you realize it's called the Big Bang Theory, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's no matter what kind of science you get, mm-hmm. it's still a theory. So you know, there's a lot of facts to back up the theory, but it's nobody was there. No one was there, exactly. Right? It's always a lot there. of stuff. You know, I mean, it's a lot of theory based. You know, it's a lot of theory based stuff. You know, in terms of like even, you know, even this nine eleven stuff. I mean, I just I look at it this way. When I read about, holo, you know, planes that are holograms, when I read about, you know, inside jobs by the government, you know, you're really reaching, man. I mean, give me some proof. You know, look, I don't I think without mail in ballots, I think you have a different president. But the reality of it is, no matter what I think, I can't prove it, you know, in terms of I can't prove that there would be a different president if that was the case, unless it actually happened. I can't prove that that election was stolen. You know, there's just no facts to it, you know, that can be really. I mean, there's evidence, you know, I, I mean, when it comes to a lot of this stuff, Mike, I just think that people should be really careful. And I just think that, you know, the format that we have and the venues that we have in terms of, you know, media these days, it just, you know, the, I guess the bigger the star that you have, I guess the bigger platform that you have. I'm just a little surprised at Spike Lee, you know, it's just, well, maybe I'm not because I saw him at an award show a couple of years ago. And he looked really unhinged, you know, other than the fact that he's, you know, he's a very divisive guy, you know, other than being a, a pretty talented, you know, movie maker. Um, I just really didn't expect, you know, someone like that to, you know, really kind of spew that kind of stuff. You know, to uh, me, it's more of like Rosie O'Donnell type stuff or more of like Charlie Sheen stuff. Spike Lee, whatever I think of him or I don't think of him, I think he's a pretty educated guy. You know, I think he's a smart guy, my, you know. 
my main my main thing I didn't like about the documentary was uh, well, at least for this episode was because it really didn't, didn't get it to 9-11 was he really made uh, Bill de Blasio out to be like the savior <laughs> of New York City, which uh, he, he let's put it this way. If you watch if you watch the documentary, it really goes into covid and Cuomo for like the first probably like okay. 45 minutes or so. And I mean, Cuomo gets it in this. I mean, completely. You know, they, they hammer him and they keep interviewing de Blasio about how he was just trying to save the city. And yeah. I mean, to me, Bill de Blasio, you know, I, you can think whatever you want to think of him. I'm not a big fan. I don't think he did a great job running the city. He'll be gone soon. It's It'll be most likely Eric Adams' job to lose unless he loses this election. But, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, it, it, it just really wasn't good. Uh, I, I didn't like it for like, the way just the way he made de blasio look like come on like look at everything else this guy has done and it's been a horrible hatchet job and like I think, trying to I make think, it that like he he steered he was trying to make him look uh, make him look like the way giuliani led the city through 9 11 and say what you will about rudy giuliani after 9 11 i'll probably agree with you 100 percent on the things he's done but for that you know one year span of him getting the city through through it. He did, he did a amazing, great job. He did an he did amazing job. job. Bill de Blasio had 15 months to try and get this city through COVID and stumbled on almost every obstacle that was put in front of him. So I, I don't think there's any comparison. And I think there are people like, like him that, you know, again, they'll portray de Blasio in a good light. And I just fear that, you know, five, 10 years from now, when you look back at his mayor, you know, duration and certain events. I think st some stuff is just going to be whitewashed to the point where people are going to forget, you know, in terms of really how bad he is. Um, you know, even going back to the beginning of the pandemic, like he waited to the last minute, like he didn't want to close the schools down, you know? Um, yeah, he put it on the, the, yeah, the restaurant. Well, that's what they said in the documentary too. Like these guys kept going back and forth with they each talked, other right. about blame about blame and about praise, how they each wanted praise when something good happened and right. how they wanted to blame each other when the shit hit the fan. And the problem with de Blasio was he was kind of circumventing Cuomo in the terms of like, he wanted to do stuff and Cuomo kind of did the opposite. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm going to shut down the schools. He's like, well, no, you don't have the authority to shut down the schools. Yeah. I'm the governor too bad. So sad. Or, you know, or yeah. vice versa. Like, you know, Cuomo would do something and he kind of, you know, would would act contradictory to him, almost the way that they were going back and forth with Trump at the time. And it's like, you know, listen, well, man. I mean, yeah, they they really nail Cuomo in this about yeah. when uh when Trump sent those ships in, that right? Ship, and Cuomo was basically like, I'm not using this because you like it, it, they were they were like two kids, like bickering, like oh, well, you sent it, I'm not going to use it. Meanwhile, my, and my kids, we, the deal, man. We, the we mayor, just, well, we just found. The mayor cedes to the governor, right? The governor yeah. should cede to the president. Yeah. That's how the government works. You know, Constitution, the Fed always, you know, you, from law enforcement, you, you know it. Federal law always trumps state, you know, no pun intended, state law, right? So I think some of these guys, you know, kind of overstepped their boundaries, so to speak. I think de Blasio overstepped it with Cuomo. And I think they both did in terms of the president. You know, I think the president early on said, hey, look. New York should basically quarantine itself. You know, you shouldn't allow people back and forth into New York because it's a hotbed right now. And I think Cuomo at the time turned around and said, oh, well, that's an act of war. And he was like very adamant against it. Yeah, dude, you know, you can't have people doing that. And and now, listen, you get the same crap on the other side with Biden. You get these governors, I guess, that want to make names for themselves or have political uh, presidential aspirations doing the same thing to Biden. It's just not right. You know, whether it comes from the left or the right, you have a you have a hierarchy in the government that I just think, you know, from what it sounds like, I haven't seen the documentary, but it sounds like they they kind of touched on. No, it was everything, you know, like you said, they, they brought the ship in. He didn't want the ship. And now, you know, the uh, governor, what's her name? Hochul, who just took over. Just released like, oh, yeah, we they, there was 12,000 people missing from that death toll. So how many people died because he didn't want to use that ship? 
Dude, it's it's really or, crazy. Man. Or he didn't or, want to. Or, use or how about the how about how about them all talking about? Oh yeah, go down to Chinatown. It's no big deal, you know. Like in the beginning of March, when when the whole thing was was hitting, you know. And if you said something anything contrary, you know, you're a bigot or a racist or, or whatever they were going to yeah. call you at the point. I mean, it it's was like, just, come on, man. But that was the same way. It was exactly the same way too. After, you know, go back go back to after nine eleven, the EPA. Yep. Right. Air air quality's fine. Move back in. Get back to your life. You're working down there. Get back. Twenty to years work later, down. you got people dropping dead from that crap. Yeah, you've had. I think there's been. I think since nine eleven, three thousand between three and five thousand. I think it's more. Between three and five thousand deaths of just these weird cancers. From yeah. All the people that worked down at Ground Zero. Everyone. I, I'm just, no you know, people. Yeah. Iron Absolutely. workers and crane operators that were down there, laborers and, and, and the cops, the firemen, the EMS workers, everyone that was down there, sanitation guys that were down there, the, the, the private construction companies, all these people are getting these weird ass cancers and just dropping dead. So yeah, it's really messed up, man. And, and you know what? The EPA is to blame. You know, they really are to an extent. I mean, yeah. again, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but like you said, Mike, I remember it, you know, I don't think I've ever gone back down to the trade center since the whole thing happened, like in 20 plus years. Um, I, it's it looks completely different. And right. There's just one big. I haven't been inside the Freedom Tower at all, but I don't you know, it's it's to me, it's just OK, it's there. I don't, I don't know if I'd ever go in maybe right. one day. I mean, it's and it's nothing like psychological or anything like that. It's just I don't have any desire to do anything to, to go. Right, right, right. You know. But, well, it's uh, coming up. It's coming up on the 20th anniversary, man. Yeah. It's, it, it's, you know, another week or two. Right. And uh, I'm sure we'll touch upon it, you know, that week, you know, the show and stuff. But, um, you know, I'm definitely going to check out the Spike Lee thing. Uh, look, I, I'm kind of I kind of got mixed feelings. I think I told you this off the air. He blocked me on Twitter one time. You know, he called me all sorts of names. Basically, me and him got into an argument. He was going back and forth with my big Twitter account and he. Uh, he was calling me a racist or a bigot, whatever the hell he was saying at the time, because I, I asked him, I'm like, how can you compare, compare, I guess, the first openly NBA guy who came out of the closet, you know, and, and declared himself as gay, synonymous with Jackie Robinson. And I said, you know, you know, Jackie Robinson can't, can't, he can't hide the color of his skin. This guy really went out of his way to declare his sexuality in, in a locker room and probably an environment that wasn't too conducive, conducive towards it. And he's like, oh, that's a bigoted statement. I'm like, I'm just pointing out facts. I mean, you can't hide the color of your skin. I would think of anybody, you know, especially you, you know, I'm not African-American. I'm not gay. I, I would think that as an African-American, you would probably agree with my statement. And he just kept on going on and on and about how I was bigoted and racist in my view. And maybe some people take what I just said and, you know, say, oh, yeah, you, you are a bigot. I, I, I don't know how you can you know tie the two, but I, I that was the. Uh... The black guy from the Celtics, right? That came out. I think it was. I don't know who he played for. I mean, he was. A I think. He, I, I, yeah, he was. He was just a guy like, oh, that guy. Right. You know, and uh, I, I mean, I guess in a sense, you can look at it like it's Jackie Robinson esque of being the first of something. Jason Collins was the guy's name. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I, I'm almost positive it was the Celtics. Uh, you're right. Uh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. And it's the same thing too, like a guy like what's his name? Michael Sam. Michael Sam. He got caught and now you got that dude on the Raiders. Whatever his name is. Listen, man, if you can play, you can play. I don't think anybody really cares at this point, you know, what your sexuality is or the color of your skin or whatever. You're not talking about 1950, but I think, you know, at least on some level, especially with the, with the guys who are, you know, of that persuasion, you know, the homosexual orientation. You know, I, I think it's still a little bit touchy, you know, in a locker room for some people. And I think, you know, you know, you know, when you I'm not saying to be closeted. I mean, if you really feel like you need to do it, fine. But, yeah, I, I just don't think it's synonymous with Jackie Robinson, you know, and what he went through. I mean, no, I, it's I'm not saying what they are as being gay. I'm saying the act of being the first of something is considered Jackie Robinson. Yeah, I mean, in that regards, yeah, I could see that that that's basically what I'm saying. Like now it's done. I mean, he now there's, uh, you know, numerous 
gay players yeah, in right. the principal. It's not a big deal. That guy, um, what was it? Baseball had Billy Bean years ago. I mean, he came out sure. after he played. After the fact, right. Um, and the NFL, I know the NFL had like a bunch of guys after they played came out. And I remember, I remember like when we were kids in the 80s, there was a guy that played for like, I think it was like the Redskins in the 70s. He wound up dying of AIDS in the 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, you had guys like that that were all coming out later and later in their lives. But, you know, it, I, I think at this point, it's it's overkill in the sense of no one. There's not that. Oh, my God factor anymore. It's who cares? All right. You're, also, a gay dude, you're a gay I mean, dude. And you're in sports. I mean, coming out, coming out as a gay man in, in a major sport in 2021, I think is markedly different, even though you might be, quote, the first person than Jackie Robinson in the 1940s, you know, where this guy's going, you know, to different fields. He's going down south. He's getting completely abused. He's getting shit thrown at him and stuff. You know, he's verbal. It's completely different. So, I, yeah, I get the point that he may have been the first person. But like the whole argument I was making is like the experience that Jackie Robinson went through is nowhere near what this guy is going through in, in 2015 when it happened. Or somebody coming out of the closet in 2021. I think, yeah, you know, I, I, mean, I, I think there's definitely more of a shame on you effect now if you do say something about exactly. like a, a gay athlete. And I mean, but th- there's still racism and bigotry. I mean, we don't see it here as much, but like you're a big soccer guy. I heard like racism is almost very, a lot more open and, and out. Actually, in Europe, England with, with it, like, black players playing for like those predominantly like white. I'll countries. tell you what they do. So I am a big soccer fan. Mike, we've talked about this. So yeah, in, in Europe, it's, it's absolutely rampant in, in, in a lot of areas. So for example, there was a Maradona documentary uh, a couple of years back where Maradona is from, uh, from Argentina. He played for Napoli, which is really the shithole of Italy back in the eighties. Right. And he mm-hmm. talked about how the color of his skin, he was like, he was surprised on how the Northern Italians and our friend Charlie old test to this, they looked down at the South, man, kind of like almost the way that the North looked down on the South, I guess, you know, Civil War and that kind of area. Right. So, yeah, it happens like, you know, Maradona was like, you know, they were making monkey so- sounds at him. And every time they went up into a northern Italian city, you know, they were getting bananas thrown at them, which which still happens to this day in England. It's the same deal. Like they've got a big problem in Liverpool, which is a major, you know, major, major city in England. And uh a huge soccer team, you know, they're like the Red Sox. They're, they're run by the Red Sox. Yeah. They're as big as my, you know, my, my club, Manchester United. And uh, I think they've got a big problem the last couple of weeks they in the stands. And even in Mexico recently, there's been a lot of anti-homosexual chants going on in the crowd. So towards like, you know, a player of, on the opposite team, it doesn't matter if they're gay or not, but like you hear these chants, like I'm not going to repeat it on air, but you know, it happens, man. And I think it's a lot more, I don't think it's acceptable. It's not accepted in Europe, but I think it's more permissive there. You know, whereas here, like I think, and, and listen, don't get me wrong. They ban people for doing stuff there. You know, you can get a lifetime ban, but I think here, I think you're more likely to get, you know, punitive action towards you here in America than, than there is in Europe when it comes to that sort of thing. Right. But yeah, you're right. It absolutely exists. And on that note, we'll leave it on rampant racism in European soccer. So, um, you're still you've been frozen for like a half hour again. I know, man. I don't know what it is. I got to maybe we'll change computers next time. Right. Um, what do you got to plugs? Uh, DJ Chris Clash, as usual. Uh, my website. Uh, check me out. My telephone number is there. Uh got some spots opening up so if you have anything's coming anything coming up in, in the winter time halloween's coming around got a cool halloween party hit me up I'll, I'll hook you up in terms of pricing mention the podcast uh make sure you uh you reach out to jay cristiano you know if you if you're buying a house or or um purchasing a home uh, the the housing market is still very uh, hot right now jay'll take care of you just mention uh, me and mike's name in the podcast Give uh, the code 4215 and uh, you can give him a call at 844-442-7334. It's Jay Cristiano from Cardinal Financial. Mostly check out Tommy's place, Tommy Devitt's place in uh, uh, Mad Donkey, 3207, 36th Avenue, New York City, Story, New York. And uh, I think that's all I got for tonight. Usuals, Mike. All right. 
Um, I got my buddy, Pat Dixon. I'm going to try and get him on soon. He was just on the road. Check him out, New York City Crime Report, his podcast, and check him out on Compound Media. Uh, check out Jack at I Can Paint. He's, do- he's actually doing a lot of Marvel stuff right now. You can see his work on his uh, Instagram page. That's I Can Paint. Provmatic on Twitch. Go check out Frankie. And every Wednesday night, Dylan's in Forest Hills. You can check out Christine Meehanberg and a free comedy show every Wednesday, 8 o'clock, Dylan's, Metropolitan Avenue in Forest Hills. And next week, I watched it the other night. We'll talk about it next week. I watched the Bob Ross documentary on Netflix. Oh, Bob Ross. Guy with crazy afro, right? Yeah. It was pretty, 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 pretty interesting. But then not. We'll talk We'll talk about another uh, another thing. We'll uh, talk about pretty interesting about Larry David, I guess, going crazy on uh, Dershowitz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't uh, bring up the fact that this guy like possibly molested young girls. It was no, I don't like your political affiliation. OK, whatever. Okay, that's, what, that, that's worse, I guess. You're right. Dude. <laughs> that's for another episode. But uh, we'll see you guys. We'll see everybody next week. Like, subscribe, pass it around. Tell all your friends. We love you. We'll see you later. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Chris, I hope you won free soon. Later. Later, guys. (laughs)